Hey guys, what's going on? This is Chris Harris, and welcome back to the Collar Noble Wrestling Podcast, where me and Kenny Oak break down specifics about professional wrestling. Today's going to be episode number four, and is our second topic conversation where we talk about the specifics within professional wrestling. Today we'll be talking about finishing moves. Ken, you ready to break this one down? Yeah, so let's talk about freaking finishers. That's that's this, something just that we can talk forever about. This is this, there's, this there's is all those, kinds. This is one of those where I don't think I can make a list and properly put them in order because it's there's so many variables to this one. Well, and there's also the talk about like what's happened to finishers. Like they they've become very less impactful nowadays uh, with this infusion of like you call them indie fucks yes uh, they're really killing the finisher because that, that's a big thing on the indie scenes is kicking out of finishers multiple times it's not it almost demeans the word finisher at that point because it, it does nothing to to finish a match anymore it all it does is draw a longer two count so the only know. time a finisher should be kicked out of is like like we'll talk about uh, in our top wrestlers show is freaking when Shawn Michaels and HBK at WrestleMania 25, like a big match like that where they're kicking out of finishers. That's the only time it's acceptable. And you've yeah. had other people talk about this. Like Stone Cold talks about it all the time. Stone Cold gets upset that people kick out of the DDT too. He, he feels that Jake, that Jake <laughs> okay. Roberts, that's... I mean, that's, he, <laughs> I don't know if that's the best example, but he he doesn't like that people use the DDT as a regular move now, which because it, it used to be a finisher. So I kind of get his point, but he takes it a bit to the extreme. Well, it's the same thing with the super kick. Sorry for the indie fuck marks out there, but I do not like the young bucks and their stupid super kick party that just completely demeans one of my favorite finishers of all time, the super kick. Even someone that you know I love, like Dolph Ziggler who uses it way too much. But at least he got a pin off of it that one time. But other than that, that's that's how it should be. You hit someone with the super kick. Kevin Owens does it too. Pisses me off. This started a while ago. I mean, Rikishi, there we get, we get him in a uh, show. Rikishi used to do it. and I I'm think gonna, he's been on every show so far. He has. We, we've had Rikishi We seconds. might try to get him on all of them. But also, I know you remember <laughs> old White Sox, Stephen Richards, right? He called the super yeah. kick the Steven kick or the Stevie kick or something like that. And all it was was a fucking super kick. So, But at least that was his finisher, though. Right. And, well, it didn't get anything over. He never only gave, pinned anybody well, ab- above a jobber with it because it was old white yeah. socks. But, but, yeah, he used it. But going back to the DDT That's, even, like we've had variations yeah. of it. You see Dean Ambrose use it now, and, that, and they've been working that thing. They've been getting him one. He, gets a, he hits it once, and it's a finisher. They've been trying to... To bulk it back he up. He won the like, title with it, and right. and he won the triple threat with it. Mick Foley did the double arm DDT as like more of a signature type move, not as a finisher, but they've done variations of it. So it's it's almost like there's a lack of moves, and everything is circular in the wrestling world, and it comes back around, and now we're back to the super kick again. And even Kevin Owens is doing it. Everybody's doing a version of it now. The Usos that yep. gets on my nerves. It's 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 no longer a finisher. It's a setup to a finisher now, almost. But yet, Dolph can get a, a pin off of it though, because yes, because he's Dolph. Because because they're trying they're trying to build him like HBK, which he's no HBK. Sorry, Dolph. Back to the circular circulation of moves. Why <laughs> yeah. why, why has the Famouser come back around and only been used by a guy like Dolph when Billy's the only one to really do it? 
Well, and also he doesn't get a pin hardly ever with it. You no, know, it just doesn't. He gets work. his pins off of the zigzag. But Billy used to use it as a finisher and get pins and tag matches with it, so that demeans it now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing that point with you. Good, because you know you're wrong. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you just need to sit back, calm down. Let me get my beer. And let, let's talk like adults right now. I was just going to bring up the uh, John Cena uh, middle rope springboard stunner that he does. The backpack stunner. Uh, yeah, that's something that Stone Cold really uh, went off on because people are kicking out kicking out to his move. I wouldn't say that Cena does it anymore. He only did it a handful of times. And uh, it, it was when he was in a time of trying to add to his repertoire. That was around the Kevin Owens invasion time, right? When Owens came yeah, in. Yeah, and he and was putting on some amazing matches. And then, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Him and, him and KO put on two or three off. Just, they were awesome matches. KO, KO got that first win. That's really the only match that they talk about during that feud. Mm-hmm. Is that he beat John Cena in his very first match? Right. Like they forget that Cena went on to win two other matches, which, which is good. Like that's that's the problem with, you know, a lot of the internet pundits are the the comment section, you know, warriors. Is that, yeah, Kevin o- Kevin Owens got got a win on Cena. Leave it at that. Who cares that Cena won the next two matches? That has done nothing to bury. Kevin Owens. They, they, they like to say anytime someone loses, they get buried. Oh yeah, they overuse get, the word bury. Yeah. They talk about Triple H and his golden shovel. He's put more people over at WrestleMania than anyone else. Yeah, he, he's allowed to put down a couple people a rung or two just by the amount of people he's put over the top. So, Like I said, th- it's hard for me to take finishers and put them in a list of rankings of this one was the best or this one was this or I like this one because for me finishers are based around the guys that I liked and the matches that they won them with <laughs> so for me I'm, you, I'm not the biggest Shawn Michaels fan like you are so you know the super kick wouldn't be at the top of my list but I also take it from a generational perspective because people used to never kick out of Hogan's atomic leg drop right because nobody beat Hogan for one but when he dropped the leg, the leg drop on people it was over same thing with Jake Roberts DDT and Stone Cold Steve Austin stunner for the longest time throughout the Attitude Era. And the only time people were kicking out of it was like The Rock did at WrestleMania 15. So we come to points like now, like we've been talking about, where finishing moves aren't finishing moves anymore. You have to literally hit, hit them twice or three times in a match in big event matches and even on smaller matches on, on regular TV tapings. Like finishers aren't always getting over and get, getting you the win. And it's a little bit frustrating because guys that are legends in the wrestling industry they kind of rely on having that signature move as their one piece of of work in the ring that gets them a victory but when it's constantly kicked out of for the point of extending a match or getting the crowd to pop again i think it loses a bit of its value over time yeah and then when you uh you have these guys who have you know for them their character that's their finisher and you can't get it over as a legitimate finisher that does more to kind of take away someone's credibility than really the booking itself can because you have guys who will you know do their finisher and it won't finish off anybody so at that point the fans can't take that guy seriously anymore it's like why 
okay, he hit his finisher, I know that that next person's going to kick out of it. So why, why should I invest into this person when clearly he's not going, he's not going to win? Right. Same thing with hitting your big finisher at a point like somewhat early in the match or even, even late in a match, and you know now, especially over the last ten years or so, that there's not going to be a three count after this because the match isn't it hasn't been long enough or it hasn't been good enough or we haven't seen enough spots because not to call things spot fest now but there has to be a certain amount of spots in high profile matches for them to go anywhere or for them to be for them to be any good now because that's what kind of what we expect and it's a bit of a shame but you go back to attitude era and even before that things like the pedigree and the tombstone and the stunner were things that you never kicked out of. Three that I could think of, at least. Yeah, and then, you know, that's... Go, going going back to the pedigree, you know, Triple H would hit that once at the end of the match, like, and you knew that that match was over. You, you go back to his WrestleMania match with, Trip, with uh, Booker T, and a lot of people complained because he hit the pedigree once, and that was it. Uh, Booker T didn't kick out of it. Well, he got hit with the finisher. I mean, he he probably shouldn't have kicked out. Now, I understand that, you know, I don't like when someone hits a finisher and then five minutes later, you know, they crawl to the person and pin them right. and the match is over. But that also adds to the power of that finisher that, you know, the person had time to hit it, you know, crawl to you, you know, 15, 20 seconds later, finally pin you. And you're still out. That is the definition of a finisher. And even now, guys, especially in this generation now, they have, you know, there's two or three finishing moves that they have. Roman does both the Superman punch and the spear. And I know you're a big Roman Reigns guy, so we can talk about him if you want. <laughs> yes, yeah, let's let's do that. You know, he has a handful of, of, of big moves, but, you know, they still... But, you know, they, they're over. The, the, he hits them and the match is over. At he, least he hits one spear, yeah. Even even a Superman punch, he hits the Superman punch and he's the U.S. champion. Like, at least when he hits a finisher, you know it's over. I blame us as fans mostly for this because as absolute as we've gone on through years, we've expected more out of the wrestlers in the ring and of the product and the entertainment value. So we want to see. We don't want the match to end, especially if it's a great one. We want somebody to take that finisher and kick out. So like you said, at WrestleMania 25, when Shawn Michaels kicked out of the tombstone, the match was long enough. There had been enough spots. It had been a very good match up to that point. He hit the tombstone, and my God, and JR you know, has his out-of-body experience, as we've said. <laughs> one of the greatest lines. J- JR, JR is by far the best of all time. Goat, by far. And he kicks out, and we loved it, right? And yeah. we, we probably could have accepted that match if he would have kicked out, but... But he didn't, and it takes two tombstones to beat him in both in both WrestleMania matches that they have. It's it's really our fault. So we're complaining about it, but yet I want to see somebody kick out of of a, of a certain of certain finishers at least, especially in high profile matches like WrestleMania's, like major pay per views or for titles, because it adds to the greatness of that match. Yeah, and we and we talked about that, and we kind of gave a pass to you know big time matches, you know pay per view matches. Uh, those you, you kind of have a little more leeway with that, but I'm talking about like on Raw and SmackDown, just some 
you know, regular thrown together Sami Zayn versus Sheamus, you know, as an example. Uh, they put on matches like it's a regular indie show, and you have, you know, Sami Zayn giving four Huluva kicks all getting kicked out of, and you know, I'm being hypothetical here, but, you know, that that's how it is on Raw and SmackDown, and Raw and SmackDown should just be, you know, you do your match, you hit your finisher, you know, whoever's supposed to go over goes over, and then, you know, their pay-per-view match, that's where you have kind of the, the multiple kickouts. You, you don't, and that that's one of the problems I have with the product now is that they give away everything before the pay-per-view. They're like, okay, we're going to have Rusev versus Roman Reigns for the U.S. title. They're going to go in a program with each other. You know what? Let's just put that match right now in Raw. You know, that's just, that that's what made, you know, the product so good back then is that there was more buildup. Like, it's hard to invest in these feuds now when you're given the match and they put on a 20, 30-minute match on a Raw instead of saving it for the pay-per-view. Like, put put Rusev in a few squat, put, put Rusev in a few squash matches, same with Roman, build them up, you know, make them interfere with each other, and then then you have them to the pay-per-view. And I feel like that ties into finishers because you have the finisher of the feud, which is supposed to be the pay-per-view match. That's supposed to be what ends the feud. But it doesn't anymore. And you have feuds that last, you know, two to three weeks or last up until the next pay-per-view, and that's it. Right, that's another good point. Where are the long-term feuds that we used to love that tie in over over years against each other, you know? We we just got done. First, our first review, we talked about Backlash 2000. You had Jericho versus Benoit. Benoit going over, retaining the title. Almost an entire year later, they're wrestling again at the Royal Rumble 2001 for the Intercontinental title. The same dynamic where you have a face Jericho versus a heel Benoit and it was a great match and you got invested into it because these guys have been kind of you know going at it off and on for a year it made the match more important right then though I'd say there was a lot less talent because the rosters now there's so many guys that we want to see get a chance you know and we we complain so much about guys like Cesaro not getting the right push or Rusev not getting the right push when he should have things like that because there's so much damn talent but back then it was Benoit and it was Jericho and they were running the upper mid card of the entire WWE so you almost had to put them in these long-term feuds where they could keep going back to it when they ran out of people or they ran out of usable storyline but now we have there's just too much too many things going on and there's also a three-hour yeah well that that's another issue for another uh discussion but you you can have more you can have you, you have three hours to play with you can have more story building in three hours you can have more matches put together you know i, I like what they're doing with these squash matches now uh bailey's been having squash matches Love squash on matches. raw yes and i'm glad that they brought them back because now you're not you know jobbing out some of your better talent uh some of the talent that you're you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on and uh so those guys those guys that you know maybe like you said there is a huge influx of talent now put them in non-title feuds that's what gets people invested put them in feuds with other talent and you don't have to bury one over the other 
sure, one one person will win that feud, but there's ways to book it to where the person who loses doesn't look bad in losing. They just lose a match onto the next feud. There's ways to build around it. I'm I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna give them a pass. Oh, there's so much talent, so you know, you can only push so many people. You that you you can push people. You can push a good amount of people, make them main eventers, without you know clogging up the title pictures. Like th- there's ways around it. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I'm 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 ranting right now. Because no, damn it, Vince, you it's just, a good it's a good rant for don't. a damn it, Vince. Yeah. The and perfect example of this is what you're exactly what you're saying is Sami Zayn, right? Because he beats Kevin Owens clean, and a month and a half later, Kevin Owens is the Universal Champion, and Sami Zayn is struggling to get on TV, and he's doing pre what do they call it? He's pre-shows. losing to Jericho in in yeah. a pay per view with no bill to it. Right, and so that's what that's what they're doing now. It's it's lazy booking and. Again, we're, this is a great rant to have, but uh, we'll it has bring, nothing to do with finishers. It does not. We're going to bring this one up on another conversation. I wanted to ask you this when you were talking about matches, if because I think finishers now are used as nothing more than you know enablers and extensions to get to a longer to get the match to go longer. So, would you be okay if you saw a decent match on a pay per view, non title match, for example, and there was one finisher? performed by the guy who wins he hits it at the end and he gets a cover or do you need the finisher uh, by either one of those people and a kick out at two multiple times to to call a match great because i don't throw the word great around for matches very often there's only a handful of them that are great for me so would you be okay with a match like that uh yeah and i i would and and here is my criteria for that you have you know two people you know, having a very solid match. Each person gets in a good amount on offense. You don't need to have a finisher to make you feel like that person almost won. Like you have, you know, like we talked about, people have multiple, you know, signature moves. You know, like when Dolph he hits the zigzag, you know he's not gonna get the pin on the zigzag, but it's a big move. It's one of his signature moves, and you kind of get that feeling. Oh, th- this could be it. He could, he could get the pin. Okay. And of course, you know, the kick out at two. No big deal. You weren't really expecting them to get the pin on that. But when, you know, one person does, you know, after, you know, let's say 20 minutes, which is a very, was a, which is a long match. They have 20 minutes. They put on a really solid show, both getting a lot of offense. And then one person hits their finisher. It, it's okay for that to end the match because you, you're left thinking, okay, that person won. The person hits their finisher and that should be it. You know, and you're left thinking that was a really good match. But of course, nowadays we're so conditioned to think, oh wow, they buried that person because they got hit with the finisher once, and that was the end of the match. Yeah. But in reality, they 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 got in plenty of offense. They looked good doing it, and then the other person hit the finisher. Okay, big deal. They lost the match. Losing a match is not a death nail, like some people think. Okay, I counter that by saying. I think it's extremely hard. Don't you counter my points? Oh, I'm going to counter this, and it's uh, and it's going to come in the form of a question, though. Is I think okay. it's, it's extremely hard now to put on a very good or near-great match, a one-on-one match, without using multiple finishers unless you're in some type of, you know, we'll call them gimmick matches, where there's tables involved, there's a ladder, there's weapons that you can use as enablers. If you're talking 
you're going to go a 20-minute match one-on-one and it's you know a normal match with DQ rules in place and all that stuff and you can't use weapons, how can somebody now put on a great match? How can they even try to put on a great match without doing multiple late kickouts and things like that off of finishers? Well, like like we said, you know, nowadays fans are conditioned to think that you're supposed to kick out of a, a finisher at least once, mm-hmm. which is something that is because of booking nowadays and the influx of, you know, all these indie wrestlers. Because on the indie scene, you know, there, a lot of these uh, people are wrestling for years and years, and the way that they, you know, are taught, like they're not on TV. You know, they're just wrestling in front of, you know, 200 people, uh, if that much, at these shows. And they're they're told they need to put on the best match that they can. And, yeah, it, it builds a lot of drama when you kick out of a finishing move. But not on the not in the WWE, not, not in one of these, you know, mainstream promotions right. where, you know, you're supposed to, you know, yeah, there's some storytelling that you that that's that. Okay, I'm glad I'm glad I use the word storytelling because if you use if you build a match properly, you know you have good, you know some of the best ring generals like Kurt Angle, you know could wrestle for 15, 20 minutes and hit one finisher and that's it, and you're left thinking, man, that was a really good match. Right. Like with with Angle, you know he hits the Olympic Slam or the Angle Slam, it's called. Uh, gets the pin, you're like, okay, that was a great match. Uh, or if he slaps on the ankle lock. And, and I want to talk about submission. I was going to ask you that soon as well. We'll get to that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, these guys are so conditioned for years, to, and, they're, and they're told, you know, you need to build as much drama. You need to, you know, get the crowd as hype as you can. Uh, and the only way that they could think to do that was to kick out of, kick out of finishing moves no, nothing builds more drama in a match than hitting a finishing move and then the person kicks out of it right however when you do that so often as they're doing now it takes away from the finishing move they hit the finishing move and we're conditioned to think the match isn't over so we don't get that emotional like oh my god cena just hit the aa you know the match is over yeah oh no aj styles kicked out of it of course Right. So, so we don't have that emotional attachment to finishing moves anymore. Not at all, because it takes at least two or three, and even if a guy kicks out of the third one, that's when you're like, oh my god, he kicked out of it, but it took three of them for me to get this excited about it, instead of you know kicking out of one Stone Cold Stunner back in the day. That would have made people lose their mind. Hold on. I got, oh, I got another oh, point oh. to make. Yeah. What made some of these you know matches back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, su- such classics like the... When Ultimate Warrior went up against Randy Savage in a title versus career match. Oh, the elbow drop uh, scene. Yeah. And he just kept hitting him with elbow drops. Seven and times. Warrior would just, yeah. And Warrior would just kick out. And then something like that, that builds drama because it's like, this is his. Because there, Warrior, you, you have the feeling, okay, Warrior is doing everything he can to keep that title. And Savage is doing everything he can to keep his career alive. So, on a, on a big stage like that, that creates plenty of drama, and you, and you can do that, at, in a match like that. And so that that's kind of where where I'll draw the line. Yeah, the storytelling was way different back then as opposed to what you'd see now yeah. in the chemistry in a ring. 
but nevertheless, right. I agree. But I want to get to I want to get to this. I want to talk about submissions, and I want to ask: Do you think that wrestlers who use submission moves, specifically as finishers like Walls of Jericho and things like that, are they at some type of disadvantage because there's no three count? So, how how, how is it that you use that their move as a way of extending a match when there's not a kickout involved? And well, that that's another thing where. If, let's say Chris Jericho hits the slap someone into the walls of Jericho, if we're talking about like a Monday Night Raw, then that should get a tap out. Right. Now, people think that if someone taps out to uh, a submission move, then they're somehow buried. Like mm. that ultimate burial is having someone tap, which I think is asinine. But there, there, is, a vi- there is a great way to build drama using a submission move and if it's a no DQ match, you have the ropes there. You don't right. need the three count. You don't need the kick out of two. You know, someone just showing their grit and determination. You know, trying to get to the ropes, just crawling, dragging, scratching at the at the canvas, trying to get to that rope, and then you know, either getting to it and breaking up the count, or what I love, especially in like a big match, is when they get so close to the rope and then the guy's just like, nope, and then just brings them back to Pulls the middle right of the ring. Right back into the middle. And then they have to do it all over again. The crowd yeah. is on the edge of their seat. Right. Like screaming at them to tap, 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 and then they, yeah. they, they don't tap. I, I completely agree that tapping out, it's, it's, it has been seen as a weakness. Like it's, it buries guys if you tap out. But please, God, don't forget that Shawn Michaels tapped out at a WrestleMania. So just get that out of your heads right now. And yeah, and so did Batista to Daniel Bryan and Dave. I'm telling you, yeah. And if he ever came back, he's not going to be any less of a main event guy because he tapped out to the Yes Lock at WrestleMania. As much shit as I give Michael Cole, his call on that match was one of the one of my favorites of all time when he's yelling, you know, yelling for Batista to tap. Yeah. And you know, so you, you can have that kind of drama even with a submission finishing move. And that is one of the one of the better finishings at a WrestleMania is waiting for a guy to tap out, just like when Chris Benoit got his tap out. There's such great moments that you're just sitting there waiting because you don't know when it's going to happen. You know when a three count's going to happen, and you can anticipate it. But when a guy's sitting there struggling, not knowing if he's going to tap out or not, and then he finally does, it's like it's a much different feeling. But yeah, so let's let's talk about some specific finishing moves that that we've liked over the years. Non non, okay. we'll come back to submission ones in a second. But you've mentioned the super okay, kick. Okay, so you're is, just is, talking about about regular finishing moves now. Yeah, impact is the, moves. Is the super is the super kick your number one mark out for it every time finisher? Uh, no, it's not as much as much as I love it, and you know, one of my top three of all time, HBK. That was his finisher, the sweet chin music, and. Anytime he used it, I loved it, especially when he kicked Stan in the back. Mm. Uh, that was that was amazing. Anyway, probably one of my favorite finishers is the... I love the powerbomb. I loved Taker's Last Ride powerbomb. That's one of my all-time favorites. And I, I, like, I like finishing moves that look like they really finish you. Like like the power bomb, okay. like the choke slam. I love the choke slam. That's one of my one of my favorites because it, it's a high impact. You know, it's a move that when when someone hits it on you, you can be, 
you know, you can suspend disbelief for just a little bit, and you go, okay, that's a, that was, I, I could see that that move finished them off. And you have moves like, and then you also have finishing moves that are so protected, like uh, Brock Lesnar's F5, uh, Taker's Tombstone. You know, I like moves that they that they protected and actually made to look like finishing moves. Right. Except Hogan's leg drop. I hated that. There's no way you could convince <laughs> me that dropping a leg, no matter how big that leg is on someone, <laughs> would not come out. Oh, clearly you weren't around in the mid to late 80s. Ooh. I know full well the devastation that the uh, atomic leg drop has uh, caused an entire generation, but uh, I'm not a big fan of it. Not a fan of the elbow drop either, because uh, that's not a move. Moves? Yeah, any any kind of elbow drop. I to me that's just a move that it, it's it's a flashy move. It's cool, but it's not to me a high impact finishing move. However, I do enjoy. I do think the frog splash is a better finishing move than the elbow drop. Now, I may get some flack for that one, especially a lot of, you know, Macho Man fans out there, but the, the Eddie Guerrero, the RVD frog splashes are phenomenal, and I think a great finishing move. Talk about another move that's been used by every single person since then as well. I, uh, once again, Kevin Owens. Kevin, I what? mean, It's I a bullfrog splash, though. It's a bullfrog. <laughs> It's still, you could call it the frog splash, the five-star frog splash, the bull frog splash. I don't care. It's still a frog splash. Yeah. And it's a finisher. It's not a freaking, it's, it's not even a signature move of his. He just does it. Yeah, like he just does it his, at random times. Regular, yeah. All of his regular moves are just other people's finishing moves. I loved RVD's Kills version me. just because of the height that he'd get because he's such an athletic dude. Is he would jump so high off the top of the turnbuckle and connect, and then when his body would hit, he'd bounce so far off their bodies. <laughs> he'd, he'd sell, great sell. And his his stomach was always in so much pain when he hit the frog splash. Yeah, and Ed, I liked Eddie's and, too because Eddie did his so quick. It was it wasn't a, a whole lot of height. He did, he did jump off the cage obviously before, but I mean, he he did it so quickly and it had such a quick impact that it was. Just but nice but to with watch. Eddie's. Yeah, with Eddie's though, when he hit it, because it was so quick, it, it, it was devastating. You're like, oh man, that looked like it really hurt. Because cause a lot of people think of Eddie Guerrero as kind of a small person, but he, he was a thick dude. Like, yeah. I can imagine that that would hurt someone putting all of their weight, their entire body, on just slamming on top of you from the top rope. That, to me, that. And, and like you said, the, the five-star frog splash was great. And I loved when uh, Eddie and RVD feuded, and it was the battle of the frog splashes. I, I really enjoyed that. I, I believe RVD went over. I don't remember. That don't was remember that. back in, like, three. Back in the day. That was a long time. Yeah. When I would not miss a single Raw because as much as I hated Triple H, he was he's the best hill that I think we've had in, in in an entire generation because I watched every week just to watch him lose just to hate and him I, because you hated him yes and I rooted the shit out of the the faces anyone who went up against Triple H I was emotionally invested in because I just wanted him to lose he was champion for a long time back then too so it made it also a little yep. easier cuz you always wanted your guy to get the title from him yeah 
I was because uh, because he, he RVD actually feuded with Triple H over the title, and I, I was that. really invested into that. Once again, that's a damn it Vince moment, and we'll get into booking on, <laughs> another time. Talking about right. finishers here. Yeah, I've, I've never Ken, been into I've never been into turnbuckle finishers or jumping finishers so much. I'd like the the frog splash. It's really the only one that I did like. Um, so what which, about uh, Jeff Hardy's uh, Swanton? Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I'm not putting it on any list because that move was it was exciting to watch. It definitely got better over the years too. I've always been one for a bit of the flash, for the flash of finishers. That's why the most electrifying move in sports entertainment, though it doesn't look like it hurts anybody at all, <laughs> it is still the way that it, especially as a child, the way that it brought me out of my seat just to watch him jump over a guy, kick his leg and shake his leg, and then drop an elbow. <laughs> From an entertainment standpoint, that's the one that I always like to to watch, and because I'm a, obviously I'm a rock guy, so I'm a little biased yeah. in that. But but the setup to that was great because he would hit the spine buster, and he would pop up faster than I've ever seen some. His explosiveness was through the roof, and the setup more more than anything, he had a, he he would hit his signature in the in the spine buster, and then as soon as he popped up, you knew yep. people's elbow was coming, and the way they booked it. As the way they, they made it, they, they protected it, he would hit it, and people, he would get the pin on it. And Triple yeah. H was one of the best at selling the people's elbow. He would stay down for minutes after not getting lot, hit with a people's elbow. Not a lot of kickouts after the elbow because of who The Rock was and the, the setup that they had to the to his matches usually. Same way with the, with the Tombstone. It's been one of those that rarely gets kicked out of, except for at WrestleMania is usually... Yeah, and when when and another thing is that the look on like anytime someone would kick out of the tombstone, just the look on Taker's face, like the, the look of disbelief. Going going back to that out of body moment that Jr. had with right. HBK, like the look the what made it so just emotionally drawing is that you know you you see the disbelief in Taker's face because he's like that. Is supposed to finish someone. Any let any more other mortal man would I would have finished this match. But right now, HBK is not a mortal man. And, and I, the, I think they the, really the only reason for that is because of how powerful the tombstone was. Right. I think they protected that move the longest of, of any finisher ever because he used it. You know, way, right when he started coming in and when the WrestleMania streak started and all that, nobody kicked out of it. Like, I think Kane kicked out of it during their feud in 97 and 98. And aside from that, it, it went years where it was the move. And they kept protecting it for years and years. And then he didn't use it a whole lot as the biker taker. That was when they did the last ride more. And, you know, they really saved it for huge match moments so that it drew that, that, that emotion from the Undertaker because he's not used to having to do it twice. Yeah. And which, which is why... You know, bringing this back full circle is by having a strong finisher and, you know, not having someone kick out of it so many times, that adds to the overall drama of, of the match and the feud at the, at the time because, you know, and we, we seem to keep hitting on this HBK taker match and mostly because There's it's one of the best of all time. Yeah. But, you know, you, someone hits their finisher you expect it to be over and you know at a match like pay-per-view and 
And I'm starting to come around on my thinking about uh, kicking out of it, even at pay-per-views, uh, as we're talking, because, you know, what makes what makes it so emotional is when a person, you know, you hit you hit your finisher, and you kick out of it, like that. That's showing that not only are you giving it your all, but your opponent is also, you know, digging deep and trying trying to find that last ounce of strength that they can to kick out of it when you know for a fact that he's not supposed to kick out of it. Right. And when, when you feel like someone's not supposed to kick out of it and they kick out of it, that's what makes it so dramatic. Not always constantly kicking out of it. That takes away from it. And you know what I see for coming in the future is... I brought up Dean Ambrose, and he's been he's been getting the win on his matches using dirty deeds, right? And he's only been hitting it once, so they're they're put they're building up the move to make it be a true finisher. But all that's going to lead to is down the road in a high profile match, he's going to hit it, and nobody. And Seth Rollins is going to kick out of it. Exactly, it won't be Rollins per se, because he I think he'll still be on Raw, but someone on SmackDown or for the title maybe AJ Styles down the road is going to kick out of it and it hasn't been kicked out of for a year say for example and it's just going to be that huge pop where it's not supposed to happen but he did and we're going to come back I and mean, it's all going to come full circle again where finishing moves don't finish a match i see that happening what, what i think is going to happen is that you know you build you know that finisher well, let's stick with the dirty deeds uh you build that to be you know a strong finisher he hits it it's one two three match over nine times out of ten as soon as he hits it you're gonna see the crowd you know once once they start to realize okay this is a legit finisher once he hits it the match is over and you know he's so over as a face right now as soon as he hits it you know they know he's gonna get the the pin they're gonna they're gonna pop for that just yep. like anytime stone cold hit the stunner they pop for it because they knew he was gonna win just because you know someone is about to win when they hit a finisher that doesn't somehow magically take away from the match no, it doesn't. In but my opinion, in in booking soon, they're going to use that to their advantage, and they're going to draw the they're going to suck the crowd in, thinking, oh, here it is, one, two, three, and they're gonna they're gonna get that kick out, and it's going to just be a huge, oh my god, and it'll be a huge kick out, one we remember forever because Dirty Deeds hasn't been kicked out of in a year or whatever. But and, I mean, and it, tell it, me what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it, but it's definitely circular, and you can kind of see the writing on the walls when you when you see. WWE writing and how they book matches. But I think that's something that they should definitely do is just start start building those finishers to actually do what they're called to do, and that's finish a match. And you're going to see the fans still being invested in it. And you can have you can have an AJ Styles or you know a, you you have a big feud, like either a main event feud or you know even. They're building up those those mid-card titles to be pretty big right now. And you can have someone later on down the road kick out of it. You know, eventually someone's going to get out of Rusev's uh, accolade. But until then, you just need to keep booking it as the end-all, be-all. Well said. Now tell me your favorite submission moves. Okay, favorite submission moves. I've got three. And that's Ooh. the, yeah, the sharp Bret Hart sharpshooter. Uh, Dean Malenko's Cloverleaf, yes, and uh, Daniel Bryan's Yes Lock. So I'm I'm just gonna assume that it's bias for the, the Daniel Bryan one. We'll just leave that one alone. Uh, 
Uh, uh, watch WrestleMania 30, and you I've tell s- me. I've seen it. Okay, the Cloverleaf. I've seen it many times. Great, great example of the man of a billion holds, Dean, Dean Malenko. Why the Cloverleaf? Really, I just like the way it looked. It, it looked painful, the way he did it. Uh, and that, and it looked cool. It's something that, you know, when you're growing up, you see it, you, you want to emulate it. Because it's not, it's not like the sharpshooter where you stick your leg through and you put the other person's legs around. Uh, he just kind of puts your he, he puts he puts your ankle behind your knee and just twists you back, and it just looks really painful so when he does like, it. Do you like Seamus's version? Then it's the same thing. It, it is it is the same thing, and I still like it. And Seamus makes it look even can make it look even more powerful because he can you know use it use his strength to lift you it's up so and huge. spin. Yeah, so. If he started to actually use that as a legit finisher, then I think it would, I think it would rival Dean Malenko's, just because of his sheer strength. It's always good to get a Dean Malenko reference in the show here. It's always good. Yeah, I think we've done that uh, twice so far. I, I like hope it. So yeah, he is the Scotty yeah. Too Hotty match. Yeah. And then the sharpshooter that was they protect that move so well. And then when you have. And, oh, jeez. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Uh, his match with Stone Cold, where you know, you know where I'm getting at. Where? Oh yes, WrestleMania. Yeah. Yep. And Stone Cold, you know, he tries to get out of it. He he fights and claws he his way out of it. People thinking out. he's going to tap, and he passed out. It's okay to, to pass try out. To, yeah. yeah. All that did was build up Stone Cold even more. Yeah, and you see, he lost the match. But he became an even bigger star afterwards. Like someone can lose and still become a bigger star afterwards. Every time I think of him and the sharpshooter, I only think of Montreal. Though I can't picture him winning a title. Uh, I can't picture him putting it on Owen. I, I don't even picture him doing it to Steve and there being blood. I only picture. Well, what about Montreal. when he put it in on Mr. Perfect to win the icy title? That was one of okay. the most brutal looking. That's a good match too. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all great examples, but even now, sh- even even when The Rock would do the sharpshooter, even when Natty does the sharpshooter now, like I love, I just instantly think, oh, there's Montreal coming back around again, because it's one of the greatest. And this yeah. what we talked about when we talk storyline, I'm sure. So and booking, the the decision there of old Vince yeah. McMahon. Uh, yeah. Forget LeBron James. That was the true, the decision. Right there, and then a year and later, one of my he did it to the he did it to mankind when the Rock had him in the sharpshooter at, at Survivor Series. Yeah. Oh. Yes, damn it, Vince. Damn it, Vince. You can't leave well enough alone. Get out of the storyline. Yeah, you don't need to be a part of every major storyline. <laughs> the people don't care that much about you. He is the greatest heel ever, so maybe. That's yeah, why. absolutely. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. He is. If you want to learn more about the decision and the impact it had watch uh wrestling with shadows the story the story about bret hart Mm. uh that documentary that followed him throughout that year that led up to the montreal screwdrop uh and just the the belief that bret hart had that everything was good everything was playing out you know everything was going to work out the way that he that he wanted but honestly you know, I I agree with the decision that Vince made. Oh, so do you I. Know, that made, yeah, because your job when you're going out 
and you're leaving the company is to go out putting someone over. Whoever they want to put over, that's who you're supposed to put over. I wish that it could have gone another way, but in Vince's eyes, I'm almost certain that he thought he had no other choice but to do it like that. And it's sad that it came to that, but I mean, it's something we'll always remember now. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, he, he Bret Hart famously says that he did not want to drop the title to Sean. And that's the only person that Vince wanted the title to be put on. But Vince has shown that he's willing to, you know, change things up. He's done it to where, because he was he wanted Stone Cold to drop the title to Triple H. And Stone Cold refused and instead dropped it to Mankind only for Triple H to win it the next night. Yeah. So, yeah, Brett, he had other options, but Brett kind of put himself in that corner. Brett also didn't want to lose in Canada either, so it's a little bit no, of... Which is... Okay, so... Okay, I'm the champ. I don't want to lose in America. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not defending Brett on this one. I'm saying he had a lot of reasons why he refused to 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 work the match as they had discussed. But, uh, man, I'm going to go watch that now. We got a yeah. whole off topic there. We, we did. Uh, write all this stuff down, folks. Write it down. Yeah, because I haven't, and I have no idea where we <laughs> where we came from. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this topic conversation of ours, number two in the line of many more to come. This is a discussion about our favorite finishers, to include submission finishers. Hope you liked it. Don't forget to subscribe, like our stuff, comment on it. Let us know if we're wrong, if we're right. Let us know some of your favorite finishers as well. I appreciate you listening. Once again, this has been the Collar Noble Wrestling Podcast. Ken, say goodbye to the folks. Thanks, Chris. It's been great talking pro wrestling with you. Like you said, like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment letting us know what paper reviews you might want us to do in the future, what other topics just like this one you want us to talk about. And as always, we do this for the love of wrestling, and together we can make wrestling great again.